invite you to open Scripture with me. And the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at together this afternoon is a passage from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10, and we read together the verses 14 through to 22. And the great theme of this passage of Scripture is fellowship. Um, Fellowship with Christ, and also in this context, there is fellowship with demons mentioned as well. You hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel, are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And our focus is on the verses 16 and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning in Langley we were uh, really privileged to be able to celebrate Lord's Supper together as a church in person all together. It really was beautiful. For me as a pastor, I've been out there for eight months and it was my first time actually seeing everyone. It was funny, there are so many new faces that I hadn't met. But it was really beautiful to be, to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And there's one thing that, um, yeah, has really been laid on my heart when I've been thinking about Lord's Supper lately. Um, and that is that at Lord's Supper, we have fellowship with Jesus. For me, personally, that's um, something that I didn't realize for the longest time. That when, we are, when we're having Lord's Supper, we're having a fellowship with Christ. We're having fellowship with Jesus. I think um, when we think of the Lord's Supper, we think of the Lord's Supper as a meal where we remember what Jesus did for us. But we can often forget that Lord's Supper is also a, a fellowship meal. So this afternoon, what I want to do with you is to go through this passage of Scripture. And I want us to really see that when we have Lord's Supper, that we're actually communing with Jesus. We're sitting with Jesus, when we eat of the supper together, we're having fellowship with him. And I want to also point out from this passage of scripture that we're not only having fellowship with Jesus, a horizontal dimension, but also we're having fellowship with one another, a, sorry, that's the vertical um, fellowship with Jesus, but also fellowship with each other, which is the horizontal dimension. And I know it's not a Lord's Supper Sunday for you guys, but I'm sure you will be celebrating it sometime soon. And, and when you do, I think it's really important that we realize this aspect of Lord's Supper, that we're sitting with Jesus, that we're having fellowship with Him. So Paul, 
In this passage of Scripture that we're opening together, he's, he's speaking to the church in Corinth. Um, the church in Corinth was a church in a pagan society. It's an alien society for us. It's, it's, it's foreign, so we can't really place ourselves in this situation that well. Um, in Corinth, they worshipped pagan gods and they worshipped idols. So I wonder if any of us has seen an idol. Um, has anyone seen one of these the Indian, the Hindu gods, they usually like have the body of a person and a head of an animal. Have you seen one of those before? Uh, in Australia, you see them in a lot of gardens, which is quite sacrilegious for, for Hindu people because Hindus, they believe that their gods, or they call them murti, that their gods actually possess the presence of that god. So if you have a murti of, of Ganesha, Ganesha is a, a god who has a person body and an elephant head. If you have a Murti or an idol of Ganesha, Ganesha actually, um, he dwells within that. His presence is right there. Actually, in 1995, in India, you might, you might be familiar with this, there was this phenomena where um, the statutes of Ganesha actually started to drink milk. And apparently, it, it brought the country to a standstill I was young, I was only two years old at the time, so it didn't bring me to a standstill, so I can't, I can't remember anything about it at all. But um, apparently it was that these, these statutes were, were drinking milk in their temples. And, and for the Indian um, people, the Hindu people, this was, this was amazing, this made their whole country stop. For the West, we sort of looked at that and explained it away scientifically. But the point is that, that Hindu people believe that their statutes, have, they have the person of their God within them. And now Paul, he's writing in a similar context. He's writing to the Corinthians. And now the Corinthian people, the Corinthian, in Corinth, um, you would go to the temple, you would have a sacrifice, but they also had little dining rooms attached to the temple there. And you could go there and you could have a meal with the God. So you could sit there with the, with the God and his presence would be there and you would eat and you would have fellowship with that God. So you'd go to the, the temple of, of Apollo, for example, and you could eat with Apollo. And now the question that Paul's, that Paul's grappling with in this passage of Scripture is, is whether Christians can do that. So when you read through 1 Corinthians 8 through to 1 Corinthians 11, now this is a little bit of an aside, um, it, can, it can be confusing. Maybe some of you have grappled with this. There's Paul's, Paul's speaking about eating food that's offered to idols in, these pas in this passage. Um, and he's talking about two different scenarios. One scenario is eating food that's been offered to idols that you've bought in the marketplace, scenario one. The second scenario is eating food that's offered to idols in the temple, in the presence of the God, scenario two. He says you can eat it when it's offered to, when it's offered to idols and in a marketplace. That's, that's fine. You can buy it from the marketplace and bring it home. But now he's talking about eating within the temple. And he says, you know what? That's wrong. You can't do that. And, you'd, and there were people in, in Corinth who were obviously questioning that. They'd be converted to Christ they had studied their Old Testament scriptures. They knew Psalm 115, Psalm 115, which speaks about how an idol is nothing. Eyes they have, but do not see. Ears they have, but do not hear. Mouths they have, but do not speak. 
These, these idols of Apollo or whoever it is, it's, it's nothing. There's nothing there. It's just a, a block of stone. So, so why can't we eat in, in the presence of that idol? But Paul, he says, yes, yes, an idol is nothing. That's true. But verse 20, I do not want you to be with demons. So there's something going on there in those, in those temples in ancient Corinth. And that is that there are, there are demons present there. And when you're having, having fellowship with, with Apollo, you're not having fellowship with the idol, but you're having fellowship with the demon and with demons. But in this passage, Paul brings out the counterpoint of that, and that is that when you have supper together in church at the Lord's Supper, you're actually having fellowship with Jesus. And that's the point that I want to make. If you're in an idol's temple, you're having fellowship with demons. If you're in church and you're having the Lord's Supper, you're having fellowship with Christ. You're eating with Christ. Christ is present there with you. It's not just a remembrance meal where you remember what Jesus has done for you and you remember how he died for your sins, but when you are there, Jesus is present as well. And it's not like Jesus here, he comes down from heaven um, that's what the Roman Catholics would believe, that, that Jesus comes down and is physically present in the wafer and in the wine. That's not what happens. But what happens is that our hearts get, get lifted up to where God is. So in the Lord's Supper, um, our hearts are lifted up to where Christ is, our inner being, our spirit, and we sit there and we have fellowship with Jesus. Um, Paul, he says in in his letter to the Ephesians, um, he tells the Ephesians in Ephesians 2 that we've been raised with Christ. We've been seated with him in the heavenly places. And that's what's happening at the Lord's Supper. We are raised with Christ and we're seated with him in the heavenly places. And it's important for us to realize that because it just brings so much more depth to the Lord's Supper. When we come to the Lord's Supper, it's not just us sitting there with bread and wine and, that, and we sit there and we, and we just think and we remember about what Jesus has done and we, we look into ourselves and we sometimes wonder, do I have faith? Do I, do I truly believe? Or um, do I truly love Jesus? If I really love Jesus, then I wouldn't do this and I would do that. And we sit there on our own so often. But we have to realize that we sit there with Christ. We sit there with Jesus. That's the beautiful reality of the Lord's Supper. And I think when, when, when you come next time to the Lord's Supper, just pay a special attention to that exhortation that comes just before you, you eat the bread and you drink the wine. Um, it's called the Sursum Corda. Pastor Doug and I were just running through the um, Lord's Supper form a few months ago when I was just about to do my first Lord's Supper. And he's like to me, you know what, make sure that you sing hymn 59 before the Sursum Corda. And I was like, what's the Sursum Corda? And he was like, what do they teach you in seminary nowadays? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's why I'm in a dual pastorship for you to teach me. And he, and he taught me, so now I can teach you. Sursum Corda is, is Latin and it means lifting up your hearts. And just, just remember that just before you, you take the bread and drink the wine, there is this call for us to lift our hearts to heaven where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Fellowship with Jesus in heaven spiritually is what we're celebrating at Lord's Supper. So picture yourself with Jesus. 
You are there. Jesus is there. And at the Lord's Supper, you have a, a topic of conversation. You're remembering. You're looking backwards. You are remembering the death of Jesus. You're remembering that, that, that Jesus is the one who, who looked down from heaven at us and he, he saw us in our sin. He saw us in our misery. And in his great love for us, he decided that he would come down and he would rescue us from that. In his great love for us, he decided that he would take on human form, that he would give up everything that he had in heaven. In his great love for us, he who is holy God decided that he would enter into the sinfulness of, of human life and live amongst sinful people. In his great love, he decided that he would also die for us and take our sins upon ourselves. So you sit with Jesus and you remember that, you look backwards. But you sit with Jesus and you also are, are looking forward you're looking forward to when Jesus is going to come back. You're looking forward to when Jesus is going to return with him and when you'll enjoy this feast with him, the marriage feast of the Lamb. You're also looking forward to that. And that's why um, in this meal you just get served a little bit of wine and a tiny bit of bread. Um, I'm sure if I went to any of your houses this afternoon, you wouldn't go into the sewing cupboard and get out a little thimble and fill that with some wine and then break off a tiny little piece of bread for me. You wouldn't, you wouldn't feed me that. Um, but in the Lord's Supper, that's what we eat. It's not a feast, it's just a, little, it's just a little bit, because we're looking forward to the feast that will actually be happening. In Langley this morning, we were, we were all in the building again. Masks were off if you didn't want to wear masks. We were all singing together. It was beautiful. Everything was normal. We were even handing around the collection bag as well. But there was one thing that was different, and that was um, the, the elements that we were using were prepackaged, and the wafers just taste really bad. And I'm sure, <laughs> like really bad. And, and I'm sure there were so many people there going, come on, we're doing everything normal, we can all sing together, we're not wearing masks, we've we got the collections going, but we have to have these wafers. Like, why is it that we have to have this still? And the reason why is actually because we're not having the real feast now. We're looking forward to that real feast. We're looking forward to that, that marriage feast of the Lamb when we're with Jesus and we can feast with Jesus in, in perfect joy. So that's the Lord's Supper. Um, it's, a, it's a celebration with Jesus where we're not sitting there alone, but we're sitting with Jesus and we're remembering what He's done for us and we're, and we're looking forward to being with Him in perfection. And you can picture it that you're sitting there with Jesus and Jesus, he reaches down and he gives each of us a sign that, that shows us just how much he loves us. I'm not sure if um, any of the women here have had this, um, but you're sitting there with your husband, your fiance, your boyfriend, and, and, and he reaches down and he, he pulls out a box out of somewhere and he gives it to you. And inside there, there's a, there's a necklace, a diamond necklace, or, or a ring with a, with a stone on it, an engagement ring, or something like that. Um, you sit there, and then he gives you a sign of his love. And for my wife, if she was sitting here, she'd be shaking her head and saying, no, this never happened to me. But maybe some of you have had that. Um, and in the Lord's Supper, Jesus, he does something similar for us. He, he reaches down, but he doesn't give us a, a ring. He doesn't give us a necklace. He reaches down and he, he gives us bread and wine as signs of his love, the depth of his love, as signs to show us, yes, yes, we're sitting here together. And, 
And in honesty, when we sit with Jesus, we're a little bit shy because we know that we don't love him as we ought. We know that he could really ask us some super awkward questions like, what were you doing at 11 o'clock last night? Or um, what were you just thinking half an hour ago? And we know then, we look into our own hearts, that we don't love Jesus as we ought. And yet, when we sit there with him, Jesus, he reaches down and he gives us these signs. And he's like, this is how much I love you. I love you so much that, that I'll shed my blood for you. And I love you so much that I'll sacrifice my body for you. I love you so much that I'll would, I would give my life so that you can have eternal life. That's how much I love you. And the beautiful thing is that when we take these signs by faith, we take that, that bread and we take that wine by faith, the life of Jesus actually flows into us. They're, they're signs that carry out what they symbolize. I've been trying to think of an example for this, and I couldn't think of one. And something came to me on the drive here. Now, if this is a really bad one, you have to forgive me. But let's say you're sitting with someone, and you're across the room from them, and, 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 and this guy, he loves you, and he holds out this gift to you, and, it, and it's a love heart-shaped chocolate. Now, you take that, that love heart-shaped chocolate, and you unwrap it, you say thank you, and you eat it, your, your love for him is not going to grow from eating that chocolate. But when you take the bread and when you take the wine, your love for Jesus deepens by eating the bread and drinking the wine. Your faith in Jesus is strengthened by eating the bread and drinking the wine. The life of Jesus flows into you when you eat the bread and when you drink the wine. And Paul, he makes this clear in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 16 there, where he um, says, you don't have to beam it up, um, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, where he says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And you notice those words of Paul. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless he doesn't say, is it not a sign of the blood of Christ? Or is it not a sign of Christ's sacrifice to us? But he actually says, is it not a participation, a fellowship, a sharing in the blood of Christ? When we take that sign by faith and we drink that wine, it is sharing in Christ's sacrifice. When we take that bread and break it, it is a participation in his body. It's not just a sign but it's also a seal. We share in the body and we share in the blood of Christ. That's the, that's the beautiful reality about Lord's Supper, that, that Jesus, he holds out these signs to us and they're not only just, just signs of his love, but they actually work deep within us to increase our faith, to strengthen our love so that his life flows through us. And so that's the, that's the first beautiful thing that I want to focus on with you this afternoon, that when we have the Lord's Supper, when we have supper with Jesus, it's our relationship with Him, that vertical relationship that's strengthened. It's not just a remembrance meal, it's so much more than a remembrance meal. It's us fellowshipping with Christ. And now we can move on to that second aspect, that, that horizontal 
fellowship that we share in Lord's Supper. And this is something that I honestly have not realized for myself until I was working through this text. Um, We make Lord's Supper really a me and Jesus moment. We sit there with our bread and our wine and we take the bread and we drink the wine. And it really is a something between us and Jesus. We don't really think much about the, the communion of saints that we celebrate Lord's Supper with. And yet, Lord's Supper really is a meal of family fellowship with each other. It's a meal where our connection with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ is actually strengthened. Paul, he brings this out in verse 17. He says, "'Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in the one bread. So we all partake in the one bread. We all eat that, that one bread of Lord's Supper together, which is Christ. And because we all partake in Christ, we become one body. You can picture it this way. We partake in, the, in, the, in that bread and the love of Christ flows into us and then it fills us and it, it flows out of us again in love for one another. Because we, we share in the Lord's Supper, we also grow in our love and in our unity for one another. Lord's Supper is this, is this moment where, where we grow in our spiritual unity. And I think that's the, the big problem in the Corinthian church that Paul's writing to. They were coming together for the Lord's Supper. And um, instead of celebrating this all together and being united together and coming together as one body, the Lord's Supper was actually tearing them apart you had the rich people having their supper there and the poor people having their supper there. And rather than this being a celebration of their unity as one body, it actually became something that divided the body. But Paul says, no, Lord's Supper is a meal that brings us together. It makes us one. And so that's the, the simple point that I wanted to share with you this afternoon from this, from this passage in 1 Corinthians 10. It's a warm afternoon. I'm warm up here, and I'm sure you're warm there. So we'll leave it at that. And I really, I really want, next time you come to the Lord's Supper, to keep that in mind, that one thing. When we come into Lord's Supper, we're not just remembering what Christ has done, but sursum corda, we're lifting our hearts, we're sitting with Jesus, and we're having fellowship with Him. And He's giving us His, his body, and He's giving us His blood, not just the signs of His love, but he's also working to feel his life in us when we eat the sacrament as well. Amen. Let's just say a quick prayer of application. Dear Father, we come to you together this afternoon and we are so thankful that you have given us your words that we can open together. Your word which teaches us about who you are. In particular this afternoon, your word teaches us about the sacrament of Lord's Supper. And that this sacrament is a fellowship with you. We pray that when we celebrate this supper, we can realize that. And that when we take the bread and we drink the cup, we can really come to you, Jesus. To be strengthened by you. To be filled with your life. Lord, we... Lay this prayer humbly before you, in our Saviour's name. Amen.